0: Greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every path straight. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We've been looking at the issue of repentance from dead works being one of the foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. And we had looked at repentance. We looked at what dead works are. And in our last broadcast, we looked at instances of dead works from scripture. And we made certain observations. We noted that people engage in dead walks when they live according to the dictates of the flesh, the dictates of the sin-loving nature that is in man. When we allow that nature that loves to sin to move us, to direct us, to lead us to do what we should not be doing. We also saw that we engage in dead walks when we may be looking godly, but we cannot live godly. That is, we may go to church, we may sing all those songs, we may even preach a powerful message, yet we are unable to live as God wants us to live. Even the messages that we preach, we can't even live it. And the reason is simply because we are living in the flesh. And that's an instance of dead works in the life of anyone at all, where we have the seeming image or reputation of godliness, but we do not live it. We don't have the power to live that godly life. Another instance of dead works is when we seek worldly pleasure, when we are drawn to worldly pleasures. Another uh, instance of dead works is when we are doing things that God did not sanction. They may seem to be laudable things, wonderful things, good things, but God did not sanction it. We saw the example of David who wanted to build a temple for God, and yet that was not God's desire or God's will. And if he had gone ahead to do it, it would have been dead works on his own account. Then we saw that doing things with wrong motives, as was the case of Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted to give a gift to the church, but the motive was wrong. They were being deceptive. They were lying. We also saw another instance of dead works is when our actions are not based on obedience to God. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23, that it's not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do the will of God. And so it's important that we are doing whatever we are doing in obedience to God. The Lord Jesus actually went further to say that on the last day, many people will come and say to him that they preached in his name, they prophesied in his name, they cast out demons in his name, they did miracles and wonders in his name, but he'll say, get away from here. I never knew you. Why? He said, because you acted lawlessly, you did what was not authorized. So when we act out of disobedience or when we are not doing the thing that we are doing because God said we should do it, it's an instance of dead works. Then we saw people who like to do things just so that they can receive accolades from the public. Another instance that we saw was doing things not out of love for God, but because it is something that you want to do. We saw that with the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, where they did some wonderful things, not born out of love for God. They had abandoned their first love. We saw also people mixing practices. We are not satisfied with the word of God. We want to bring handkerchief. We want to bring oil. want to do this. I am not saying that those things are wrong in themselves. But is it God asking you to do them? That's the issue. So before we know what's happening. We have entered into what is called syncretism. An admixture of belief systems. We bring what we used to do in the herbalist's home. Or what we used to do in some strange So called church meetings, and then we bring them together and add the word of God to it and say that's the word of God. No, that is dead works. The word of God by itself is enough. We also saw that a lot of people are taught by either pastors or guest speakers, and and those teachings lead them to commit sin, sexual immorality, idolatry, and so on and so forth. These are the kind of things that end up as dead works in churches. So we see people trying to, for example, talk to married people and they cannot stick to what the Bible says. They must bring it into the sphere of emotion rather than insist on wives submitting to their own husbands and husbands loving their own wives according to the word of God. We also saw that when our motivation to do things is by anyone apart from God, it becomes dead works. We saw in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, the church in Sardis that had a reputation that it was a living church. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ said it was dead. So when we get our motivation, our reputation from the public, from even our pastor, we get our affirmation and confirmation from people, from anyone apart from God, anything that we are been affirmed on is dead works. Because the only one that can truly affirm is the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, we said that when we are not loyal and we are not devoted to God, as was the case of the church of the Laodiceans. They were not loyal to God. They were not devoted to God. They were proud about what they had achieved, about their substance. They said they were wealthy. They said they had need for nothing. But the Lord just said, you don't know that you are miserable, poor, blind, naked. So having looked at the instances of dead rocks, we now noted that there are two kinds of people that will perform dead rocks. Now, Generally speaking, we would expect that you wouldn't find somebody who is born again doing this. But that is not the case. So we noted that apart from unbelievers getting involved in dead works, which is what they would do, is a standard for them. That's all they can do. For those who are born again, indeed, even pastors and the big bishops, we noted that they can engage and actually do engage in dead works. Christians... And Christian leaders do engage in dead works. So the question that we want to address today is why do Christians engage in dead works? And I'm praying that the Almighty God will help us. We are not likely to conclude all of the reasons, but by the grace of God, we'll discuss a few now. And then next week, we will then discuss whatever the balance is. Now, the essence of the study that we are looking at now is we need to go back to basics because the Christian in this generation is far different from what the Bible expects the Christian to be. And we have seen that the issue is actually lack of teachings, the state of the heart of each person who comes to Christ. Some people believe that if they say a few words, a matter a few words in prayer aloud, that then they are born again. And that means that they've done everything. No we need to go back to basics. We need to go back to the beginning and find out why we are doing the things that we ought not to do. It is not enough to confess every week and say, forgive me for the things that I ought to do that I did not do and the things that I've done that I ought not to do. No, it's not enough to do that. We must be able to nip it in the bud. We must be able to address it and deal with it once and for all. And in going that way, we are now looking at the very first of the foundations, which is repentance from dead works. We want to see, why is it that we engage in these things? Why do we do it? Also, we want this to act for us as a check of our motives for the things that we are doing. Does it line up with God's desire? Am I doing the will of God? Finally, we want to bring us to the place of realization that we need to repent and stop engaging in dead works. We said when we're looking at repentance as a global thing that repentance has to do, with the person who is repenting, realizing, based on the conviction by the Spirit of God, that what he is doing is wrong. So we need to go through all of these things so that we can see for ourselves that we've been doing things that are wrong. So let's jump right into it. Why do Christians engage in dead works? In Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 9, we've read some of these scriptures earlier, but it bears repetition. if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Christians who engage in dead works do so because they are not mindful of God. They are not concerned with the things that God is concerned with. They are more mindful of the things of the flesh. In Matthew chapter 16, we are not going to read it, Matthew chapter 16, after Peter had made the confession that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the appointed one, the one who was coming to bring salvation to mankind, shortly after that, as the Lord Jesus began to speak to them about how salvation will be achieved through his death, Peter then took him aside and began to rebuke him. And the Lord Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou severest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. The thing that excites you is not the things of God, but the things of men. That's why you can see even death that will bring salvation as something that you don't want to be a part of. So we have a situation where people are carnally minded. And when they are carnally minded, they cannot but do dead works. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk. And not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. But you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And we are going to see the substance here. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. We have a situation. Where? We now have an issue of my pastor is the best pastor in the world. My pastor is the one that hears from God. My pastor is this. My church is this. And those statements are statements of carnality. They are statements made by people who are living in the flesh. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. When you begin to get into those things, you are living in the flesh. I think Paul wrote somewhere. He said, but they comparing themselves by themselves are not wise. It's carnality. When you are comparing notes. When you are comparing yourselves with other people, that's carnality. My church is bigger than your church. It's carnality. My pastor is more anointed than your pastor. It's carnality. When you see pastors wanting to prove that they are better than the other, that is why we have them making serious gaffes. Everybody wants to be the first person to prophesy and say that I'm the one that said it. When God did not ask you to speak, it's carnality. Why are you engaging in dead works? You are carnal. You may be a big pastor. You may be a big bishop. You may have a big name. It is carnality. Carnality works in any human being who does not submit himself to the living God. There are people whom God had sent to villages, remote villages. They went there. Nobody would have gone. But they went there and they stayed and they served. Today we hear their names. If fact, thousands now go to listen to what they have to say. No billboards. Nothing. But people know where they are. It is God who announces you. We don't need to get ourselves involved in carnal practices, in competition and postings. No, we don't need them. So Christians engage in dead works because they are carnally minded. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. If you are not going to set your minds on heavenly things, what you are practicing is dead works. Many of those messages that you are running after, that are speaking of greatness, speaking of money, speaking of being known, speaking of fame, and so on and so forth. Those things are dead works. They are not messages that the Lord is sending to anybody. Because the true message of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we will do what God wants us to do. Our desire will be heavenward. Second reason why Christians engage in dead works. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 25, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. A lot of people think that their way of doing things is the right way. The only way to do anything that is pleasing to God is to follow the word of God. You have the written word of God. God may speak to you also in dreams, in visions, audibly through a third party, but it must of course agree with the written word of God. And that is how we do the work of God. We don't think that what we are doing is the right thing. We do it because God says we should do it. We use the example of David who wanted to build a temple for God because the Ark of the Covenant was dwelling in a tent covered with just curtains and sheepskin. Whereas David was dwelling in a paneled house, in a palace. And David said, no, I want to build the place for God. And Nathan said to David, well, it is in your heart. Go ahead and do it. As far as Nathan was concerned, it's the right thing to do. But God came to Nathan that night and said, go and tell David that is not to build it. So many of us think that what we are doing is right. But it is always a good practice to tender it before God and leave it there. For many of us, when we tender something before God, if we don't hear from God after one hour or two hours, we are jumping. We just go ahead and do it say, well, let's do it. I think God is saying we should go ahead since we've not heard anything from him. Then where do you put patience? Where do you put perseverance? God wants you to endure. He wants you to wait until he speaks. Sometimes these are tests to know whether you will do what he says you should not do or whether you will act without hearing from him. A lot of us have taken matters to God in prayer, but we're not patient enough to wait for him to give an answer. We just go ahead and do it. We think that our way is right. And because God has not spoken, It must be okay. So we'll go ahead and do it. That is a very wrong way to act as a Christian. Number three. In James chapter one, verse 13 to 15, I read, Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is driven away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire Has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. There are people who are led by what is in them, the lust in them, the desire in them, rather than the will of God. If you put a piece of wood near a magnet, nothing will happen because the magnet cannot attract the piece of wood. But if you knock a nail inside the piece of wood and you put it near the magnet, suddenly the magnet pulls. The nail inside the piece of wood is like our desire, is like our lust, and the magnet is temptation. So when temptation comes to certain people, because of what is in them already, they are enticed and drawn away by the magnet of temptation, and then they sin. And the Bible now uses the processes, sin, when it comes, it will conceive, it gets pregnant because of the intercourse between temptation and lust. It gives birth to sin. When sin is now born and is fully grown, it gives birth to death, eternal death. If you are a Christian, you must crucify the flesh and its passions and affections. The passions and affections are the things that we grew up with as we were growing without Christ. Now that we are born again, we must kill those things. They are like the eggs of a serpent where the serpent is the flesh. Even when the flesh has been killed, even when the serpent has been killed, its eggs are still there. They also must be crushed. They must be burned. They must be destroyed. Otherwise, they will produce in abundance and be worse, more dangerous than the mother. We must get to the place where the lost in our hearts are crucified. I think it's in Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 that says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, along with its affections and passions. If you have not crucified it, you are going to engage in dead works. There's nothing you can do about it. You will engage in dead works. You will struggle with so many things and you will eventually be involved in dead works. Why do Christians engage in dead works? Number four, according to Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is, be led by the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. Let the Spirit of God direct you. And you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. In verse 17, it says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. The desires that we have is always contrary to the desire of God. But when we kill successfully the flesh, and its passions and affections, then we are willing to take on the desire of God. It doesn't matter whether it is pleasant or unpleasant. We don't even have the capacity to know whether it is pleasant or unpleasant. Because what used to do that delineation of pleasant, unpleasant has been removed. Then we can engage in good works. But as long as we allow ourselves to be led by the lusts in us, we are going to engage in dead works. The flesh, the old sinful nature or the sin loving nature in man. You see, when we were born, we were born with a desire to sin, with a propensity to sin. So you don't teach little children to tell lies, they lie. You don't teach a child to be wicked. You see the way they will come with the fist. To strike another child. And even you the adult. You'll be scared. Of, How can you do such a thing? Sometimes they'll take an object. And toss at somebody. Why? It is the nature of sin. That is in them. Now after we are born again. That nature. Must be killed. Not pacified. I heard one pastor say. You need to pacify. You cannot pacify the flesh. You kill it. And its passions. And its affections. And we die daily. We must kill it every day. Otherwise, we are going to engage in dead works. It's like a man who has had this friend for a long time. And now he has a new friend. And he wants to introduce his new friend to his lifelong friend. Not realizing that the two of them are enemies. The new friend is the Holy Spirit. The old friend, the lifelong friend, is the flesh. The two of them will never agree. There is nothing you are going to say they will never agree. When the Holy Spirit says, go right, the flesh will say, go left. Now, more often than not, because... We are used to the flesh because he's been with us for a long time. We tend to listen to him. Just look at prophecies. When a false prophecy comes, people tend to hinge onto the false prophecy. Why? It agrees with the flesh. But the true prophecy of God that is by the Spirit of God does not agree with the flesh. And that's where a lot of struggle takes place. So more often than not, there's a tendency for us, the propensity is there for us to be involved in dead works. Because of the flesh that has not been crucified. And it must be crucified. It's a decision that we make to say that this guy must die. Once the flesh is crucified, the spirit of God is all that you are listening to. If you are not able to crucify the flesh, you will never know what it means to follow God. Because you will always have that struggle within you. And sometimes when you think that you are following God, it's actually the flesh that you are following. The Bible tells us that the heart of man is desperately wicked and evil above all. The heart of man is so deceitful that it will deceive you into thinking that you are doing what God wants you to do. When Saul of Tarsus, for example, was imprisoning Christians and killing them and locking them up and doing, to the extent of going all the way to Damascus to do, he believed he was serving God. Believing that you're serving God does not mean you're serving God. It's dead works. What Saul of Tarsus was engaging in before his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ was dead works. He thought he was doing what was right. There are many of us who think that we are doing what is right, and yet it is dead works. So we must get ourselves to the place where we are able to hear God and be led by Him. It's a crucial thing. In fact, I wonder why it is not even a substance of teachings in the churches. Hearing from God. The fact that you can hear God. And think it's man you are listening to. And you can hear man and think it's God. These are things that should be taught in our churches. But what do I know? A lot of things have been taught that should not be taught. They teach you how to make money. Some churches have become business schools. May the Lord have mercy on apostles. If you don't allow the Spirit of God to lead you, if you allow your thoughts, you see, the flesh is in your thoughts, is in your thinking, is in what you think is right. Sometimes we have dreams and we believe it's God that gave us the dream. What does this cost you to ask God and say, Lord, that dream did you give it to me? It's a simple thing. Wake up in the morning, ask God. But we go ahead and prosecute those dreams. We fail to realize that dreams can come from God. They can come from Satan. They can come from you, your mind. The Bible says in the multitude of business, dreams come forth. So don't allow yourself to be rushed into committing wrong things. Always, always spend time with God. Recall Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where the Lord Jesus Christ woke up early, a long while before it was done, and went to a quiet place. His disciples had to be searching for him to find him. He went to a place where nobody would be able to locate him, to discuss with his father. And when they came to meet him, to tell him that there are many people waiting for your radio, let's go. They said, no, 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 we are going to the next villages. That's why I came. And they abandoned the people who were waiting, and they went to the next place. You have to do what God says you should do. It's not about you. It is what God wants. These are things that we must understand. So, number one, we engage in dead works because we are mindful or concerned with the things of the flesh. That is, we are carnal. We engage in dead works because we think that our way of doing things is the right way without checking with the author of the way. Number three, we are being led or being directed by the lusts that is in us. And so temptation can easily deceive us. And number four, we are led by the flesh or the old sinful nature which if not killed, will be misled. The flesh seeks to take you away from God. Number five, Matthew chapter six, verse one, and Matthew 23, the A part of verse five. Matthew chapter six, verse one says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your father in heaven. Let me read further. In verse 2, he says, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In Matthew chapter 23, the a part of verse 5, he says, But all their works, speaking of the Pharisees and the scribes, they do to be seen by men. Why do Christians engage in dead works? They want to be seen by men. They want to receive accolades from men. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 again, and let's read verse 5 and 6. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assured they say to you, they have their reward. There are people who just love to pray in public. They never pray at home. They don't have any secret private prayer life. The only place they know them to pray is the church. It could even be the person leading prayers on the altar. So we have a situation where we just want to look good for men. If you continue in Matthew chapter 6, and we see verse 16, about fasting, it says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, who with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, Anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. The bottom line is, all this public announcement of fasting, what is the value? I don't know. Because the people fast and they are still wicked. The issue with Christianity today is the wickedness in the hearts of men. We were sinners before we came to Christ. We remain sinners. And even while we are fasting, we are more sinful. It is during the fast that we beat our house girls the most. It is during those fasts that we quarrel the most. It is joined those fast that we are plotting evil against somebody else unless we change. And the truth of the matter is that at the root of it is the flesh. Unless we get rid of the flesh and its passions and affections in total, we are going to be in trouble. Serious trouble. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Elect. Well, let me read verse 1 just for completeness. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. What I want to emphasize here is that we're elect according to the foreknowledge of God in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience. If there's something that we have a problem with as human beings, it is obeying God. So sanctification comes to make us able To live in obedience to God. So that when a person has not been sanctified by the Spirit of God, there's only one thing he's going to do, engage in dead works. An unsanctified man is no different from an unsaved man. He will always disobey God. Sanctification is that process by which God comes to cleanse us, prepare us, and make us ready to serve him. It is the second work of grace after salvation where the Spirit of God comes in and begins to remove everything that God doesn't want in you as a believer. It is a work that is done at the beginning. Let me just read 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I can't understand when I read people say I'm gay and I'm a Christian. The Bible doesn't support it. It doesn't support it. Cross dressers, you're not a Christian. Saying some words aloud doesn't make you a Christian. You are a Christian in your deeds. And when your deeds are dead, you are not a Christian. It is when your deeds are good, are right, that's when you're a Christian. In verse 11, it says, and such were some of you, you were, that's how Christianity sees you, you were, you used to be a thief, you used to be a Sodomite, you used to be a homosexual, you used to be an idolater, you used to be a fornicator, and such were some of you, but you were washed. But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. You may have been like that, but you cannot continue to be like that. Sanctification comes to cleanse you, to wash you, to change you so that you can be who God wants you to be. You can obey him in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Reading from verse 13, it says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You were not just called to salvation, but a salvation through sanctification. Sanctification is that process where the old nature is emptied out of you, is removed. When my wife and I moved into where we live now, it had been occupied by tenants for years. It was the first time I was moving into the house. And the first thing we did was to remove everything that was called a bathroom or toilet. We yanked everything out and bought fresh ones. We did not want to use anything that had been used before. We changed doors. We removed floors. And put tiles and carpeting to give it a different smell. We painted over the place just to make it habitable. When the Spirit of God comes, He wants to live in you. Let me explain this to us. When you get born again, the moment you make that confessional statement and say, Lord, come into my heart. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I believe that He died for me. And I need Him to save me from my sins. The moment you make that statement with all honesty, conviction, and genuineness in your heart, the Lord will send the Holy Spirit to you. The first thing he does is he pronounces you righteous. You are declared righteous. Then he now sends the Spirit of God to you to make you righteous. The process of making you righteous is called sanctification. That process is where the flesh is killed and its passions. So he does a lot of work of renovation. That is when you hear him say to you, don't go there. Stop seeing these friends. Read your Bible. I want you to pray. That's the Spirit of God. Doing the work of sanctification, renewal of your mind. Removing the old sinful nature, the old thoughts, the old way of doing things, of thinking, it removes them and puts a new way, a new thought in you. If you are not willing to be sanctified, you are going to engage in dead works. So quite frankly, there are a lot of Christians who are not sanctified. And therefore engage in dead works. And because they are not sanctified, they cannot but engage in dead works. Sanctification gets you to the place where you obey God. You are able to obey God in total. Without sanctification, you can't obey God. So if you are not sanctified, you cannot obey God. You are a carnal person. It's not enough to go and say a prayer aloud in one corner and think that, yes, I'm okay. No, you must submit yourself to the spirit of God to cleanse you. It is after the Spirit of God has made you righteous that he now says, now walk righteously. You see, God does not tell you to walk righteously when he has not made you righteous. Your own is to submit yourself for righteousness. He will do the rest. I'll close with this one, seventh one. People who don't ask God for direction will always engage in dead works. There is a reason why we have devotion with God in the morning. There's a reason why we wake up in the morning and talk to God. It is because we want to hear him speak to us, want him to tell us what he wants us to do. What many of us do is to go to God and say, Lord, please let my day be good. Let there be no evil today. However, sometimes your day might include imprisonment because there's somebody in that prison that you need to go and speak to. Sometimes that day might involve an accident on the road. It might damage your car. Yet, God might be protecting you from something far worse. Because a lot of times, we didn't even spend time to listen to God. When we pray, more often than not, it is a monologue. We just go and tell God some things and say, amen, in Jesus' name, amen, and then we are walking out. No time to sit down and listen to God. There's no way you will not engage in dead walks. Because dead walks thrive on the old nature. The moment you shut God out of your life, you are going to engage in dead walks. I think we'll just stop here and we'll continue from here next week. So, essentially, why do Christians engage in dead works? They are not mindful or concerned for the things of God. They are more mindful and concerned for the things of the flesh. They are carnal. Secondly, they think that their own way is the right way. They are not even looking for God's way. They are not interested in God's way. They just want what they want. And they believe it is right. Thirdly, they are being directed or being led, being enticed by the lust that is in them. Their desire. A man who has rent to pay and doesn't have his salary to pay the rent, and he's been offered a bribe, as long as the flesh is in there, he will take it because he has a need. But that is the enticement. Temptation just came to entice him, and he fell. Fourthly, Christians will engage in dead works because they are not being led by the Spirit of God. They don't allow themselves to be led by the Spirit of God. They rather allow the old sinful nature to lead them. Also, people want to look good before men. They want public acclaim. And so, because they want public acclaim, they will do anything just to get it. And more often than not, they are acting contrary to God. The Bible says that the things that are acceptable to men, they are abomination to God. And vice versa. The things that God accepts are abomination to men. So if you are seeking the approval of men, you will engage in dead works. And number six, we spoke of sanctification. If you are not sanctified, you will engage in dead works. A lot of Christians engage in that because they are just not sanctified. They have not submitted themselves to the cleansing, the sanctification of the Spirit of God. So they cannot obey God. They cannot live as God wants them to live because righteousness has not been worked into them. The things that cause them to sin have not been removed. They don't ask God for direction before they do anything. A lot of people just go ahead and do it. Sometimes they go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I want to do this. Thank you, Lord. Let your blessing be upon it. Glory be to God. Amen. And then they go ahead and do it. Not waiting to hear from God. That's why a lot of Christians engage in dead works. Next week, by the grace of God, we shall be looking at more of the reasons why Christians engage in dead works. And then we'll see why it is important that we recognize these things and go to God in prayer, seeking his repentance, where that has been the case. I bet you, that we are all guilty of these things. We are all engaging in these things. But if we can get back to the basics, by the grace of God, he will come, he will heal us, and he will change our lives. My prayer is that we spend this time studying the word of God, talking to God, finding out from him, Lord, what is it that I'm doing wrong? What is it that I'm doing that is not pleasing to you? Show me, remove it from my life. Help me to walk with you. And by the grace of God, we'll meet again next week. And until then, God bless you and goodbye.